This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together as always. And please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com to check in on all that's happening and sign up for the daily email. Do uh, me a favor and um, pass along uh, the word uh, to others to go there and sign up uh, for um, the... um, for the daily email that comes out. Again, ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. You will love it. And also, we have a lot of great interviews over there that uh, standalone interviews you can... I mean, we make all these interviews that we do, we make them standalone links so that you can go over there and listen to them. Please do that. Some really special people and uh, good stuff. We're going to talk today, finally, with uh, Chef Andrew Gruel, the great American chef. He is a hoot, man. He is fun on social media to watch. And also, we'll check in with Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman, the extraordinary... Uh, uh, journalist down at the border uh, who works for the Center for Immigration Studies. A really good dude. We'll talk with him also. All right, but let's get to something. This is really, I'm really happy about this. I have to tell you, I'm happy about this, not because I'm um, right, although I am right, and not because it's good, because it's not good. I'm happy because I want to explain to you what's happening, and I think it will dramatically help you understand what they're doing to uh, us, doing to people uh, in this country, okay? So uh, there was a study that was recently released uh, by the um, by the folks uh, that, um, that uh, uh, the association, I'm trying to think of the word, the association of pollsters, the people that all do polls across the country, they band together and they started their own group and so they have an association, and I let me get the name right for you, but this is all the people that do polls, so anytime you hear it's a poll, I guess you join up with the Association of Polls, American Association for Public Opinion Research, okay? And they did a report on the 2020 election, presidential election, and they said that the, the, the polling was the least accurate in 40 years, and they wanted to know, try to figure out why, okay? And so the, the, the reason that they, because it, again, the polls were way off, right? It's hard even to remember what it was like in October of 2020 when everybody said Donald Trump's going to lose in a landslide. The predictions were over and over again that the Democrat Senate was going to go to that the Senate was going to go to uh, to um, uh, was going to go to dramatically to Democrats. The House was going to go dramatically to uh, to um, the uh, to the um uh, Democrats. And so it was like uh, every poll. And, and at the time, some of us were saying, I, I just don't get it. I don't, it doesn't feel like what's happening, but oh, there we are. Right. So there was just sort of stuck listening to it over and over and over again. Turns out after the election, all the polls were wrong everywhere. They were, and, and they claim they were right about the national election, uh, Biden winning, but they really were wrong everywhere. Even in the places where if you think there was cheating, it was still closer than they ever expected. So what happened? Well, <laughs> They did this study. They, 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 they did this, um, the, um, uh, the, um, uh, study and analysis of what happened. And what they've come up with is maybe, um, some people didn't answer. Um, the, uh, so the, um, maybe, they some people just didn't answer the polls like they just didn't know what um, uh, they didn't want to. They, they either didn't answer, couldn't reach them or they lied or uh, who knows what else. Now, I have a couple theories on this and, and basically they don't know what happened. Right. They they don't know what happened and they're kind of uh, flummoxed by it. But I want to tell you what happened. One, just as the fake news and big tech 
wanted desperately for Biden to lose. They had to they had to find facts, keep asking the questions until they got the answer they wanted. Now, let me be clear. I don't trust pollsters at all. I think that most pollsters of political campaigns are people who are um, hired to give you an answer that you want eventually. Now, there are some that are more honest. I like Rasmussen a little bit, but I just don't really trust the system because I don't know how they can get this kind of science to work, especially in the modern time, especially with, you know, cell phones and all these kinds of things. I just think it's very tough to believe in them. But more importantly, do you think that the derangement of the Trump haters which forced our media to become partisan players like we've never seen before, which forced our government, whether it's the state government in New York, excuse me, New York or the, uh, the Mueller report or Congress, all these, they became absolutely rabidly anti-Trump. And they put aside any kind of meaningful guardrails on their conduct. They were just shameless. Does anybody think that somehow that exempted pollsters like somehow pollsters are sort of monastic people and they're insulated from the normal no in fact pollsters are very similar to and some of them are actually tucked within academic institutions but they're very similar to academics they think that they're smarter than everybody else because they have a system and they brag and they and they lecture you on it all the time but the poll so the pollsters were just as desirous to get rid of Trump. They wanted Trump out. And what they were doing was they were lying to us. And I'm not saying that they sat around and said, let's lie. I am saying that they sat around and said, we won't believe it until it goes where we want it, the numbers. And they were hoping to do two things. One, they were hoping Trump would lose. They wanted him to lose. But two, what you know is that people want to be on the side of the winners. So if I tell you over and over again that Trump's a loser, Trump's a loser, Trump Biden's winning, it's a, there's two things that happen. People start to say, well, I don't want to be on the losing side. This is true. This is, a, this is behavioral science. And so the effect of Trump is losing, Biden's winning, Trump is losing is to affect the race. The fake polls did have an impact. They have to have had. That's just how it works. And that's why the amplification of the fake polls by the fake news and big tech made it so dramatic and so striking, frankly, that Trump still got as many votes as he did. It's it's another example of how when you hear how you're when you're told how the election had to go, you just say to yourself, man, some of these things are in the wrong direction. We've never seen the polls be off by so much. I mean, again, if I told you that the pollsters, because what usually happens is the pollsters are fake until about a month before the election, and then they start to get more honest because they don't want to get not hired the next time. And they also want it to be a horse race so that people will pay attention to it. So there's very few sort of landslides. Even if you remember Romney versus Obama, during the last three weeks, they tried to say it was getting closer because they want the horse race and they want to bet on if they're wrong, they're only wrong by a little and they want to be, they don't want to be off by much because they want to get hired again. But the, even the pollsters admit, and this is what you need to know. Let me step back. Let me say it as clearly as I can. The pollsters were misleading Americans in the same way that the fake news was, meaning that they were cherry picking the data, cherry picking the results to try to influence what was happening because they just hated, just hated Donald Trump. And the idea of trusting the pollsters again should be foreign to people. It should be off your, it's not foreign. It should be abhorrent to you. You shouldn't bother. 
but it's another example of the pa- and and you know what nobody's writing about it if i didn't tell you right now that that's the if i didn't tell you that that was the um that this was the 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 first the worst in 40 years in terms of the coverage of the polls and how wrong they were if i didn't tell you that you wouldn't have known it right you would not have known it and so even the Associ- american association of public opinion research the pollsters association can't figure it out because in 2016, they claimed they figured it out, said there was, oh, they underestimated Trump and Trump voters and all that. It's not really true. That's just an excuse. This time they can't figure it out. And the reason why they were wrong in every way. But here's the problem. They were wrong in every, like say about how the House and Senate races. They were so wrong. They were predicting Democrats winning and, and Republicans won. And then they were pick, predicting that uh, Trump would lose and he didn't lose. But then they still had Biden win. It's another, it's another, uh, by the way, data point for saying, was there something irregular about the election? Because it, everybody else did so much better than the pollsters. Like every Republican did plus 10 over the pollsters and Trump did plus 10 over the pollsters everywhere except in six counties that swung the election. <laughs> Think about that. It's an extraordinary thing to understand what happened. It's just unbelievable. All right. Uh, that's what we've got today. Well, and, and I think, look, I think the pollsters, they have more culpability. They may be so lacking in credibility that they may disappear now. It may be not possible for them to sort of, you know, uh, emerge ever again. But for now, it is, um, it is certainly uh, embarrassing for them and problematic. But again, you won't see much coverage. You see it blip through and go away. And uh, I would love to see somebody with a serious, uh, serious, um, Uh, analysis of what the impact on the public was of rampant statements of something like the polls that were so off. In other words, what's the impact? Nobody's saying that. It has to have an impact. If you pay a million dollars to run a TV ad that says something over and over again, you're counting on it, get it cutting through in some ways. That's how it works. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Visit ProAmericaReport.com. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. I've been talking for a couple days. I knew we'd be talking with Todd Benzman, and that's important because read Todd Benzman or weep because you won't understand things. He is the Senior National Security Fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. Very simple. CIS.org slash Benzman. And Benzman has an E at the end. It's man at the end. And he's got a book, America's Covert Border War, the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration. It's on my shelf right across from me right now uh welcome back todd how are you i'm doing great thanks for having me uh it's great to have you uh you posted a couple days ago i think it's actually may the 19th so a couple of, uh, on uh jo- joe biden just condemned america to more chinese espionage and worse before and i want to get to the, the newer piece even just a day uh later uh about uh, costa rica but on the china question because your book was all about national security and the jihadist threat um but it, it, at this point Anybody who wants to be involved in infiltrating America knows the border works for doing that, right? Is that, you know, is that, is there no reason to think that our enemies or just our adversaries are going to overlook their ability to get through that border? Well, of course, they're going to know that it's tougher to fly into an airport uh, internationally now than it ever was before. And the border's collapsing. It's wide open. Everybody's getting through who wants to get through. And so 
there you are. I mean, we're not the only ones that know about it. The uh, and, and the Biden administration in early July, they withdrew a 2020 regulation that had been put through that. And explain to us what it's about. The, it's about uh, uh, certain types of visas. Let's give me the thumbnail on this, please. Right. Well, anybody who's been paying a little bit of attention to the news knows that for the last year and a half, the FBI has been rolling up Chinese student spy after Chinese student spy. Uh, these guys are in all of our uh, top universities on F1 and J visas. These are cultural exchange visas and student visas. And they're members of the Chinese military intelligence services, and they're just uh, siphoning out all our best and greatest um, you know, secrets and research and cutting-edge um, defense information and material right to the Chinese Communist Party. And we've been catching them left and right, left and right, left and right. So Joe, so uh, President Trump figured we need to fix this and put in a regulation that would require face-to-face interviews with all J and F visas periodically. There's nothing now. That's how they were able to take advantage of it and uh, to take biometrics and make sure that they're still doing their program and be able to do eyeball-to-eyeball interviews. And this thing was right on the cusp. I mean, this is great apolitical governance, great homeland security, apolitical, nonpartisan. And Joe Biden just killed it, just shot it down, spiked it. And uh, it's gone now. So we're back to square one with the Chinese spies and also F1 uh, visa uh, holders who are from Islamic terror countries. We just had an F1 visa holder stab a rabbi in the arm about 30 times and almost killed him. Uh, so, you know, this is where we're headed now. I mean, unfortunately. Uh, we're talking with Todd Benzman. Again, a place to visit is CIS, Center for Immigration Studies.org, CIS.org. There's a lot there. You can go all throughout publications and all. Find him. It's uh, CIS.org slash uh, Benzman, uh, and you'll get all his writings. Okay, let's move over to Costa Rica uh, and this recent piece you filed on the migrant trail in Costa Rica. It sounds like a, a travel log, you know, like Anthony Bourdain in the travel in the migrant trail in Costa Rica. It's a little different. So walk us through what you're seeing and tell us especially about the video aspect of this. I think that's a really helpful uh, dynamic that you're doing. And I guess the guy with you is Brian Griffin. Is he one of the CIS? Yeah, he's the one of the CIS team, I guess, that helps you do that. So well, that's he, very cool. So yeah, tell he's, us. He's my, he's my excellent producer who puts it all together back here stateside. Listen, most Good. Americans uh, view the border crisis, the meltdown that's happening right now, as involving primarily Central Americans. But there is another very uh, escalating, sharply escalating kind of immigrant that are not uh, from Central America or Mexico or speak Spanish even. They're from all over the world, uh, from uh, Islamic countries and from African countries that are torn by tribal uh, warfare and, uh, you know, war crimes and all the rest of that. These people are coming through a very long trail that leads them to South America and then up through Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, right to our border. That trail is humming right now. It is absolutely congested with people who heard about the Biden border are rushing to get in on it. And so I decided to go down to Costa Rica 
and Nicaragua, the border right there where they, they have to service. And there I watched it on full display. Uh, I saw, I met uh, immigrants from the Islamic uh, Republic of Mauritania and uh-huh. from Senegal and from Eritrea and lots of Haitians and Cubans and, uh, you know, really from all over the world coming right through there on their way to the U.S. Yes, border, and there's um, obvious ta- national... Yeah, keep going. No, keep going, please. Sorry. And there's a very obvious national security implication. There were 50,000 that hit in May, uh, probably more in June, and that's a 700% increase over the uh, months of uh, one year ago, and a fourfold increase of those kind of migrants, those categories of migrants, in just the last four or five months since since the Biden administration took office. So uh, it's happening in the wide open. Costa Rica does nothing about it. Panama does nothing about it. Panama actually buses them up uh, toward us. And the Costa Ricans just allow it to happen as long as none of them are staying here. The video is me with the smugglers in on the border uh, with immigrants uh, paying off Nicaraguan soldiers and with the smugglers uh, taking immigrants for pay, uh, they let me travel along with them uh, to, you know, unofficial smuggling towns that have cropped up right on the border because the business is so booming. Everybody's making money down there and nobody cares about it. Kamala Harris will never go to this area. I promise you that. And uh, neither will most of the U.S. media. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Todd Benzman and uh, the video, which I just uh, put up on social media also is available. It's very powerful. Um, Todd, uh, w- when you say these folks, there's like a natural trail. Do they f- they must fly in from another country, right? From Africa. They're not taking ships over, are they? And they fly into what cities? I mean, are they flying into cities in Costa Rica or Panama and then they get on the trail? Uh, they're not flying into Mexico City, are they? Uh, for the most part, they're flying into South American cities, uh, Quito, Ecuador, uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, lots of them will fly into uh, Peru. They'll fly into uh, just all the different countries down there, Suriname, wherever they can, they can um, bribe an official. And they're coming often on fraudulent passports, fake passports with bought visas, uh, the Eritreans I met explained how there was uh, their smuggler. They paid $15,000 each. They got all fake passports because Eritreans aren't allowed in officially in most places. Um, otherwise, the whole country would empty out. And um, then they make their way through the Darien Gap between Colombia and Panama. They hire smugglers for that. And then they hmm. uh, eventually make their way all the way to the Texas and Arizona and California border, and they're crossing. Uh, we don't know who they are is the problem. As I describe in America's covert border war, they're coming from Pakistan and Somalia. We caught two Somalis on our border Monday uh, here in Texas. Wow. They're coming from all over the place. 
Wow. Um, it is, uh, and it's getting worse. I mean, again, we're talking with Todd Benzman, Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. It's getting worse every day now. I mean, it's picking up. In, in one of the pieces you described, either it was written or in the video, that their towns are springing up along the sort of trail to help these people, uh, to, to service the people that are coming up to get through the border. Oh, yeah, that's right. I met, I, I visited one of them. Uh, these are unofficial smuggler towns. They're run by criminal gangs. Uh, smuggler let me follow her into one of them called La Trocha uh, to deliver a load of uh, Haitians. And they are selling, I mean, these towns live on the money coming from these immigrants. They buy food. They buy outdoor camping gear. They buy all the everything that they need for the trail. They have uh, housing there where, you know, the stash houses, I guess you could call them. But there's no law enforcement there. Nobody goes there. The Costa Ricans are content to just leave them alone. The Nicaraguan soldiers on the other side are taking the money to let them through. And so uh, without any pressure from the uh, U.S. administration, on the Costa Ricans, this is just, I mean, it's a very natural uh, choke point. You could shut this whole thing down right there in Costa Rica, which is an allied country, even if Nicaragua is not. But nobody is paying attention to this, and that's my whole point, that if the media would cover this thing, uh, you know, they would be able to apply potentially pressure. I don't know if the administ- this administration would ever do it, but certainly they should. And so that's my whole point about this trail going through there um, in the wide open with smuggling and immigrants interacting and an economy growing there. All right. Todd Benzman, as always, people need to read Todd or weep because you won't understand what's going on. And so I will put it up. Thank you, Todd. As always, uh, Todd Benzman is over at the Center for Immigration Studies, the national senior national security fellow. Appreciate it, Todd. Be careful out there. And thanks for all your reporting. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break. Everybody come back. Don't forget, by the way, if you go over to ProAmericaReport.com, you could do a search for Todd Benzman. He's probably been on the program, I'd say, six or seven times in the last couple of years. Each one you could listen to right now, especially in the last six months, and get uh, some clarity. This one, the video is really good. I'll, I'll make sure to put it up. I, I tweeted it earlier. I'll put it back up on social media also. Uh, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and it's a great honor, and I'm really excited to talk with our next guest, uh, Chef Andrew Gruel. He's been out there. He's got a great Twitter feed. He makes me actually laugh out loud at a Twitter feed, which doesn't usually happen. He does make great points also, and even more important for this time, especially as we see uh, some people saying maybe we should do more shutdowns and more changes in other parts of the world. I think they really are shutting down, and he has led in uh, making sure that people, helping businesses, it's been very inspirational. So, Chef Andrew Grohl, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I appreciate a lot of things about your Twitter feed and your personality because you're great about your children and your family and all. But I do want to touch on what I think is a very important national security issue, this movement to put pineapple on pizza. And I know you've been one of the great defenders of American sovereignty and all. It, you know, I've never understood it. And I, I you made a comment a day or two ago about, uh, I think, joking, somebody put pineapple pizza in your mailbox. But what, what's happening here that we're, we're losing control? 
Well, you know, I mean, I don't know what it is with the uh, desire to ruin pizza, but pizza is just sauce, cheese, and dough. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah, you can put a couple other meat-based ingredients on there if you like, maybe a couple simple vegetables, keep it light. But at the end of the day, I mean, a watery mess in the form of pineapple, come on, what's going on? The Canadians did that to us, you know. (laughs) <laughs> oh, good. We can blame the Canadians. Excellent. That's even better. All right. Now, you, you part of your um, identity, besides being a chef, is being an entrepreneur. You talk about, and actually, one of the things with your food is you try lots of stuff, but you always you sort of broaden it out and talk to people. Hey, you know, you got to try to do your business. Talk to me about how you've seen so many people and businesses challenged by this pandemic period and how important it's been for you to help uh, uh, lead on fighting back and and not just generating money, but focusing people on how to help. Well, I think that one of the things that I've noticed is, is that there seems to be a lot of mandates coming down from government and a lot of do this, don't do this. Misinformation, they keep changing the rules because their own data keeps changing. And then they want us to forget about the ways in which the data changed. But one thing that I've pushed on everybody is, look, regardless of all of that going on in the background, the thing that we can do is help each other. Because although we might want to think the government's going to be there to help us, they're not. And we've seen that through the pandemic. There's many, many holes in the system especially a huge centralized system. So if we as neighbors within our own community can reach out and help each other and not be divisive in the ways in which we look at each other, always remember neighbors are just that part of the family, local community, family, and food is everything when it comes to ways in which people can get connected. So I've tried to use food as the glue and that message as the inspiration in order to help people through the pandemic. One of the things that a lot of attention on restaurant struggle, uh, it's a nonprofit organization, helps uh, kind of focus things. If you go to 86struggle.com, uh, Chef Andrew's in there. Um, you know, I said to somebody, obviously, we didn't, you and I didn't live through the Depression, but I know the stories of people uh, whose, you know, dad lost his job and never got a job, right? And the family fell apart. You know, you just kind of shake your head. There's people that had to close businesses, and the life of that family will never be the same, right? You, 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 the trajectory of, of, of out of work, maybe you get a job again, but it's not that business you were building and all that. Um, how fearful are you that um, in the modern sort of era that we're lurching back and forth and and we're watching you know people get scared of things and i i i'd say this the old, especially older people they got scared of the covid and I, i'm not blaming them i'm just describing it and so we're lurching back and forth and you know la county says they might need a mask mask mandate other places i think overseas are locking down again how worried are you that we're we've sort of lost our balance Well, I can tell you right now, and I said this a while back, they will be shutting us down again. And the masks are really the indicator and the ways in which they've kind of been dancing around the idea that COVID is, uh, you know, coming back and it's coming back with a vengeance. And and, and I'm not questioning necessarily the uh, veracity of COVID, the claims, any of that, but it's coming and it's hard because what, you know, there's, there's really no inspiration for us behind everything that we saw over the past year to then just take this beating one more time as things kind of, you know, turn the corner and perhaps we're all going to be forced into that situation you were just describing. 
Do you, um, so how, what do you tell, I bet you people come to you and they say, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. I'm trying, I've got this business. And what's your pep talk? I mean, I, again, I think, um, a lot of it now, you know, my, I mean, I've, to some extent I've lived it because of my own life, but you know, a lot of the struggle of starting a business that succeeds is hanging in during the downtime. It feels like all we're getting is either the downtime or the threat of the downtime. How do you, how do you kind of buck people up? Because it feels bleak. Well, I think you gotta you gotta hunker down and focus on you know keep it simple, right? Because right now right. Uh, there's just so much noise out there that we don't even have the the attention span with the anxiety permeating all of our thoughts. So I think if we keep it simple, you know, do what you do, do do you know, keep moving forward, look for opportunities, keep things simple, um, continue to grow, be willing to be flexible and pivot through all of this. Because at the end of the day, this is a barrier along the journey of life. And, you know, those barriers that we overcome and we do so creatively and aggressively only make us stronger. You know, again, it's restaurant struggle. You can go there. There's a GoFundMe effort. There's ideas on ways to support people. And it's uh, online. It's 86struggle.com. And uh, if you uh, if you go there, you'll see lots of ideas. Uh, Chef Andrew, your own business. Have you been able, because of your, you sort of have a knack for um, marketing and self-marketing and all, have you found that you've sort of weathered this through and succeeded through it? Well, I think it's it's, you know, it's really about just uh, just being honest and true to yourself. That's how we've made it through. Um, you know, we didn't think it, dollars don't drive all of our decisions. Um, and what I've noticed right. is that the, it's it's all about the ways in which you work with your local community um, and the ways in which you work through Main Street. And, uh, you know, right. people have isolated themselves and they've, they've almost injected themselves into this cloud-based universe with fighting online and just, you know, living completely detached from the reality of getting outside, getting fresh air, getting sunlight, walking around, talking with people within the community versus just sitting in the basement and arguing with people online. The pandemic, you know, and it sounds like I'm joking, but has done that to people. And it's, it's, right. uh, you know, it's hurt the mental health of so many people that it's now a slippery slope where it's exacerbating into problems that go beyond um, just being locked down for a few weeks. Chef Andrew Gruel, Gruel the, uh, his uh, Twitter feed is at Chef Gruel, G-R-U-E-L, and uh, again, 86struggle.com to find out more how to help uh, folks. Uh, this, is a, this is a serious question now. Um, is it possible for you to say what your absolute favorite food is? If you had to have one meal right now and someone said, hey, what are you going to have right now? What would it be? Uh, roast chicken. Um, I think there's so many things you can do with roast chicken. You got the light meat, you got the dark meat, you got the bones, you got the ways in which you can roast it. So many different applications. So if I had to stick with one meal, it would be perfecting the roast chicken. And, and hopefully if this hypothetical scenario gave me options, I would pick some sides with that as well. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> I want to tell you that I want to put in. I noticed a couple of uh, a couple of days ago I saw you doing something with this, and then I think earlier today even uh, the use of Taylor ham pork roll. And I grew up in New Jersey where the Taylor ham pork roll is a delicacy, and you know you've you put that in a couple of sandwiches, and it's a uh, it's a great sodium delivery device too. It delivers a full <laughs> dose of sodium for about a month. Uh, so I'm glad to see you using the Taylor ham pork roll and promoting it uh, uh, in your in your in your meals. So hey, listen, uh, thank you. For 
for your time and especially for your leadership on this. We will make sure to promote the heck out of it. Appreciate your, um, you know, I worked for the late Phyllis Schlafly and she used to have a sort of, uh, uh, happy warrior mentality. There's a lot of things that are upsetting and concerning and having the right upbeat uh, mentality on it, even as you go slogging away, makes a difference. I think you do that for a, a lot of people, Chef Andrew. So thank you for doing that. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. Come back. I'll put all that up on social media so you can track it all down. Lots of uh, places to go. And, and uh, again, his Twitter feed is, Chef Andrew's Twitter feed is great fun. But also, again, uh, I want to make sure people know to go to 86struggle.com to find out more about how they can help uh, with the effort for uh, restaurant struggle. So we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Representative Liz Cheney let America know where her loyalties lie by tweeting out her view that the 2020 presidential election was won by Biden fair and square, despite all the red flags uncovered by grassroots patriots. Furthermore, Cheney made it clear that she will not do anything meaningful to prevent a repeat of that calamity. On top of all this, she failed to speak out against the wrongful imprisonment of peaceful political protesters who came to the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Adding insult to injury, Liz Cheney was photographed giving a fist bump to Joe Biden when he came to address Congress. Wyoming voters should recognize immediately that Cheney's working for the other side. They elected a Republican, not a Democrat. Why should they be deprived of the representation they were promised? That's the question grassroots activists in Wyoming are asking themselves and is sure to come to the surface in the upcoming primary elections. Despite all this, Liz Cheney is still not getting the message. She continued to castigate President Trump at a closed-door gathering of establishment donors in the elite resort town of Sea Island, Georgia. It's a poison in the bloodstream of our democracy, she said about the claim of fraud in the 2020 election. That may be Cheney's opinion, but two-thirds of Republican voters believe there were irregularities in the 2020 election, according to multiple recent surveys. No Republican will win another presidential election until the fraudulent voting tricks by Dems are stopped. If Cheney gets her way, she'd be giving Biden fist bumps and high fives for the next eight years, while refugees and illegal aliens overrun our country. We don't hear Cheney, Romney, or other anti-Trumpers doing anything meaningful to stand up against Biden, as Trump has done and will likely do again. Republicans who downplay election fraud should resign or be defeated in their next primary. Grassroots activists do not see a place in the Republican Party for those who think election integrity is poison, as Liz Cheney called it. We, the people, must demand complete accountability in both the elections and in the elected offices. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the best way to rekindle the spirit of Phyllis Schlafly and the grassroots movement she energized? In this digital age, patriots and pro-family Americans can find insight and inspiration on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Then, share your own heart and mind on social media. So join us at phyllisschlafly.com and every weekday for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Visit, you got to visit ProAmericaReport.com now and uh, track down these great interviews. Um, in fact, I got a text from someone who heard uh, David Horowitz from earlier in the week. And and David Horowitz's voice sounds pretty rough, pretty rough. He's uh, he's just uh, always sounds a little hoarse and he's just fighting through it. Somebody was concerned about him. I assured him, no, no, uh, David Horowitz, at the end of that interview, you might have heard him correct me. I said he's got a book coming out. He said, I've got two coming out, Ed, you know, in the next couple of months. He's prolific at this point uh, and extraordinary dude. So, but you go to proamericareport.com and you'll see that interview there. And we'll get uh, Chef Andrew's interview up there and uh, Todd Benzman, as always. Uh, all right. Let me finish by describing to you how um, I, there is a there is an effort uh, periodically on social media in different places to uh, retweet or, or post an article and make some comment like you might notice the subtle difference in the treatment between the Trump administration and the Biden administration, meaning there'll be some issue that, uh, you know, Biden falls down the stairs and everybody says it was a slippery stairs. Trump slides down some steps at the West Point uh, address he did, and they make it sound like he's, you know, dying. And so these are examples. And some of them are funny. Some of them are, are truthful. But I just want to point out, do you remember how toxic they, the uh, media was able to make the White House, the traditional White House visit by the championship teams. I mean, it was so over the top that teams wouldn't come because they, they were, they were offended by what? By Trump's immigration policies, by CNN's coverage of, uh, the, the fine people hoax. What was it? But you just have to watch, you know, uh, earlier in the week, Tom Brady and the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went to the White House. Everything's back to normal. And, you know, I can make an argument that 50% of the country finds Biden and his positions on, I don't know, kids in cages, uh, sex uh, trafficking, abortion, abhorrent. And how can anybody appear there? But nobody says that. Right. The the idea that somehow, um, you know, and, and remember, they would talk about, oh, my gosh, you know, the Trump family, oh, the Trump family. And meanwhile, you've got like this absolutely um, devastatingly pathetic Hunter Biden. I mean, just and I, I'm not ju- I, I, mean, I want to be clear about this. It, kids are relatively off limits. So they're off limits in the sense that everybody's going to have their troubles. And especially when um, sometimes when you have a father or mother who's a very prominent person, kids in the shadow can have a tough time. So I'm not even judging his drug addiction and divorces and all that stuff, although it's pretty it's pretty terrible. But the idea that he's making five hundred thousand dollars on paintings he did in his garage in uh, in L.A. where when he would, became a painter in the last few years, it. It, it boggles the mind. And again, my point is the contrast, right? The contrast of how the media handled uh, Donald Trump and his family and uh, and Joe Biden and his family. And then the, the dynamic with um, with the sports teams, the dynamic with it's just it's again, I guess if you're um, a lot of people would say, well, it's back to normal because Trump was Trump. But you just kind of shake your head and say, what what exactly made it so that the media and big tech could sort of force that opinion on us because we've had other people that that weren't liked right there was a point where uh, during the war period there was lots of people that didn't necessarily like george w he still did the basic things there was still this sort of uh, basic um functioning respect and yet somehow with trump it was knocked off course and I still, I really don't know when history, when the history is written, if they will be able to capture how sort of insane it was. 
you know, we mentioned earlier in the program at the beginning of the program today that, you know, the pollsters were off because they wanted to be off. The big media was off because they wanted to be off. They, they, they wanted to do everything. Remember, they're running the clips of this now. Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Democrats saying, oh, I don't know if I would take the vaccine. It, it's being made too quick. I wouldn't take the vaccine. It's being made too quick. And now those people are saying Trump, who said, take the vaccine. We made it and it's great. Bragging about it. Operation Warp Speed. Now they're saying, oh, yeah, Trump supporters who didn't take the vaccine, that, that's, that's really bad. By the way, let me be clear about something. There, this is such a lie. The people that are unvaccinated include very high percentages of African-Americans. They have total distrust of these kinds of things, of these kinds of campaigns, and they're slower on the uptake. So they're making it sound like it's a sort of MAGA meeting where everybody's decided not to take the, the vaccine. Anyway, my point is, you just have to watch the Tom Brady one, Tom Brady addressing Joe Biden and yucking it up and the media thinking it's all sweet at the White House. It is what America should be. The sports team should be able to come, whoever the president is. And they took that away from us. The media did. And it's it's, it's damning for the media. Anyway, all right, enough of that. Okay, I got to take I got to run. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director for uh, all he does, a producer here to keep things online. Joanna, for booking our guests and you for listening, visit ProAmericaReport.com and we will be back tomorrow. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.